0: This is The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. Welcome to another week of The Bike Show, where we're talking Stonehenge Redux, um, a word about the du Tour and the latest exclusive news from Rafa, the clothing company, as well as a continuation of our feature from last week on the London Festival of Architecture. It's been a big weekend for eccentric night rides on account of the summer solstice. Although you could have been fooled about the summer part as it was windy and rainy throughout. But there were rides up to Primrose Hill. Apparently that went very well, according to Barry Mason. Quite a few people along there for that one. And uh, more adventurously, perhaps, it was a, uh, a ride to Stonehenge that we previewed on the show last week and um, Darren reports that he made it to the Stones with a small group of hardy souls and hats off to them. I took a bit of a helping hand from the train to Staines just outside London and rode on from there. I'd hoped to uh, connect with Darren and his crew but um, I got lost near a top secret military encampment just east of amesbury just before stonehenge and um, ended up getting to the stones about an hour before sunrise but um missed uh darren and his band although i think i might have caught sight of their bikes locked up but there were just so many people there that it was impossible to spot um to spot them which is a shame next year next year curious about what things sounded like at Stonehenge at five o'clock in the morning on the night of the summer solstice well it sounded a little bit like this faintly pagan sound of summer solstice 2008 down there at Stonehenge in case you were thinking no those bells weren't bicycle bells they were Harry Krishna bells and uh, we must try better next time to get a few more bicyclists down there to uh, take on the Harry Krishna mob. Anyway the Tour de France is almost upon us, it being the end of June and the Grand Depart in Brittany is just 10 days away. I've booked my boat over there and I um, will be enjoying the scene. It means for tens of thousands of amateur riders, well, almost tens of of amateur riders, that they are very soon to face the challenge of the biggest of all the years, cyclo-sportives, the Etape du Tour. Uh, RAFA, the London-based clothing company, always puts on a good show for the Etap And uh, last week I caught up with Simon Mottram, Rafa's founder and managing director, and asked him for the lowdown on this year's ETAP.
1: It's always challenging, but this year the organisers, after two years of being really, really mean, have been very, very considerate. It's a very nice course. It's beautiful, it's historic, there's a couple of amazing climbs but they put all the feed stations in the right places. The roads they've chosen are pretty good. The uh, the route is beautiful. And it's within the abilities of most of the so it's
0: not going to be the same kind of carnage that there's been seen in a couple of the last few years uh, where a lot of people were cut off uh, and prevented from going up the Alpe or froze to death practically on the Ventoux?
1: Well, I think that you, that, that touches on the, the problem. You don't know all things being equal it should be okay if people don't make silly mistakes like go off too fast try and do a time trial for four hours don't take on enough food and drink don't wear the right gear don't go prepared then it could be a problem it can also be a problem if the weather's bad and the tourmalade two weeks ago had about five feet of snow at the top so you never know in the pyrenees if that's not the case then people should be okay and if the organizers have enough water as well which they should do
0: and you'll be riding it
1: I'm actually doing the Marmot the day before. We have a, a thing called the Crazy Bet we're doing this year, where I've got uh, four journalists to ride the Marmot on the Saturday, and then we're flying them in a private plane to the Pyrenees, where they're going to do the attack on the Sunday, the following day. So in total, I think it's about 7,500 metres of climbing in two days. And we've called it the Crazy Bet because in 1965, Jacques Anquetil was bet by his manager that he couldn't win the Dauphiné-Liberé stage race in the Alps and that same night go to Bordeaux and ride to Paris and win the Bordeaux-Paris Classic through the night, Uh, which, of course, he did, aided by all kinds of help and drugs and what have you. And we thought this would be a good amateur version. So uh, I'm going to be there on the first day doing the Marmot, then I'm driving through the night to be with the attack people while they're riding.
0: Well, that was uh, Simon Mottram, and I was talking to him, as you might have heard, uh, in a cafe just outside Condor Bicycles. uh, RAFRA, of course, are in league with Condor and uh, recycles.co.uk with their own pro-cycle team. We were in the cafe and we saw none other than Jon Snow uh, walking across the road from Channel 4 News and popping into the same cafe for a coffee as well. And Jon Snow, of course, is the president of the Cyclist Touring Club so with that in mind, I just couldn't resist asking Simon to confirm or deny the rumours that Rafa was soon to bring out a cycled touring range to complement their lines of road racing and urban hipster bike wear.
1: Yeah, I think um, yeah, we like to sort of challenge convention, and touring is such a, uh, a difficult word in cycling. It, it conjures up all sorts of things that lots of the new kind of entrants to the market just wouldn't like you know cycle clips and old chaps with panniers it's it's never been very aspirational or appealing however what most of us do is we go touring Uh, we don't go racing we go touring and it may be very fast and slightly faster than it used to be it may be that we want really sort of you know beautiful equipment but we're touring and actually the most aspirational the most exciting rides i find for me are touring rides it's when you're going over an amazing mountain or you're going from city to city and you're going long distances you're traveling light but you're not trying to beat the next the other guys to every lamppost it's more of an adventure and a journey and uh whether touring is the right word i don't know we've launched some touring shorts this this summer which are shorts you wear over your bibs just to sort of have a degree of decorum when you're riding
0: so you can walk into a michelin starred restaurant and not feel too out of place
1: yeah, Michel Star might be a bit strong, but certainly you could walk into a, a cafe or a bar or a restaurant and not feel like you're a, you're wearing your spandex um, pro kit, which yeah frankly for people my age forty two and above it's increasingly difficult to 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 put on the lycra and feel that you're looking good
0: i mean looking back to the history of the Tour de France, which is something that I know rapper does quite a lot it's important to remember that some of the independent riders in the early decades of the tour were known as. Tourist Routier.
1: Absolutely, I mean now it's a term of abuse, Ciclo Touriste is shouted at me by my French friends when I go riding and it's, uh, it's a term of abuse, but absolutely right they're, the, uh, they're really the sort of spiritual heart of, of what we think the sport is, so whether it's touring or randonnée or brevets, there's a lot of language around it which is interesting to explore as well, but uh, we think there's some products there that uh, that would more suit our kind of riding. Um, And they need to be very high performance, they need to be cut well, they need to work well and be stylish, but they can be a little bit more uh, multi-purpose, if you like, and a bit more flattering.
0: So is it still clothing or are you looking at um, other kinds of accessories, bags and uh, shelters and a a, a stove for for brewing up... a coffee in the morning or something.
1: I love the idea of a stove. We'd have to have some kind of Italian six-ring burner. I think a Raffa bivvy bag's a bit far off. Um, Luggage, definitely. There's all sorts of things one could do. Difficult to do them all, but uh, we'll start with clothes and a few accessories and see where we go.
0: And on the business side of things, are you making a profit these days? How how is the report to the the shareholders going? I mean, I, I take an interest in these things in part because the bike show and Raffa Came into being almost at the same time, and and the bike show continues to turn a loss, a very small <laughs> loss, um, every 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 year. But I, I hope that Rapha is, you know, moving on into profitability.
1: We are. It's only four years in, um, like the bike show. It's it's a very we're very young, and uh, I think because of the way we present ourselves, people who don't know us very well think that we must be driving around in Mercedes and making a huge amount of money. Well, that's definitely not true. We are washing our face as as the expression has it um, and breaking even but we're not making as much profit as we'd like yet it's um takes a long time to get there uh but it's all moving in the right direction
0: well that was uh, simon mottram of raffa with the exclusive news of an imminent raffa cycle touring range you heard it here on the bike show first and uh thanks To the very nice people at Cyclefilm, I have a copy of their Etape du Tour reconnaissance DVD to give away to a lucky listener, preferably somebody who is going to be doing the Etape and uh, fancies sitting down and doing a bit of uh, preparation from the armchair. Um, These videos uh, show a fantastically fit bloke called uh, Michael Cotty uh, riding up. The course um, that you, that you'll be following, if you're doing the tap, um in a couple of weeks' time, um, Michael makes it look remarkably easy. It's disgusting. Anyway, you will get a view of, of the terrain, and uh, that might be that might be a nice way to prepare for the tour, rather than um, you know sitting on the turbo trainer or or piling up some local hill near to you. Anyway, the DVD goes to the first person who emails in the correct answer to the following question, and uh, email should be sent to bike show at gmail.com and the question is this. Which rider was the first over the Tourmalet in the first time the Tourmalet was included in the Tour de France? So which rider was the first to cross the Tourmalet, which is the big pass that's in this year's Étape du Tour, the very first time the Tourmalet was included in the Tour de France? Um, answers by email please to show at gmail dot com Well, if you were listening to the show last week, um, you'll have heard my enthusiastic endorsement of the fantastic London Festival of Architecture, which is going on for the next four weeks in London, and in particular, the series of cycle tours that um, has been organised by Southwark cyclists and Field & Clegg Bradley Studios, a firm of architects we'll be hearing from in a moment, And it's really a terrific set of um, guided cycle tours with an architectural or urban design theme to them. Um, There's a lot coming up. Uh, Examples that I'm particularly excited about are Bikes and Bridges, the form and dynamics of water crossings, led by engineer Mark Whitby and architect Alex Liftschutz. And that is on Sunday, the 29th of June. Uh, almost all day 10:30 to 5 p.m. Um, if buildings could speak um, the day after tomorrow led by writer david littlefield looking at the evolution of old buildings uh, andy Mimton of david morley architects and brian ditchburn of hok sport are leading a tour of london london's best sports buildings called fit for purpose that's on sunday 20th of july And Chris James is leading a tour about fresh water supplying London's water over the centuries. And of course, the redoubtable Barry Mason is leading a tour looking at Beneath City Streets, subterranean London. That's just a short selection of the rides. If you want to go on one or find out more about how to book your spot or find out more about the other rides that I haven't mentioned, then go to www.lfa2008.org, lfa2008, that's the numbers, 2008.org, and uh, you can find out the full programme there and make bookings too. foot from Stonehenge on Saturday and slightly bleary-eyed after staying up riding all night, I went along to the very first tour led by Stephen Bailey, design editor of The Observer and the first director of the London Design Museum. I went along to talk to him about the tour that he was leading that day and to go along for a little bit of it. But before I spoke to Stephen, I caught up with Stephanie Laslett of Field & Clegg Bradley Studios, which is the firm of architects that has brought the Cycle Tours, to the London Architecture Biennale two years ago and are the prime movers behind this year's expanded programme. I started by asking Stephanie why her firm, Field & Clegg Bradley, were so sold on bicycling.
2: Travelling around on a bike doing anything in London is pretty damn fine, really. It's just that sense of freedom that you don't get doing anything else. I mean, walking's just too slow to cover London realistically. Um, and anything on four wheels is just pretty grisly nowadays. But it's the ease with which you can get about, the ease with which you can jump on and off the bike and have a look at things that attract your curiosity.
0: And you've got a very big programme uh, of, the, of the guided cycle um,
2: we're now doing 15 rides, and they're hugely diverse. They range from a ride that's led by Wayne Hemingway, who's the Red or Dead designer now, um, a highly respected design commentator and uh, designer, and uh, chair of one of the biggest uh, sort of housing advisory agencies in uh, in London. He's looking at whether gardens that are shared by housing residents and the public. Actually, work so we're taking a few a look at those, um, which is quite a sort of an architectural theme. Another one that's being led by Emily Thornberry, who's was voted Environmental MP of the year, uh, is looking at the way in which um, the various different public spaces within London are appropriated by the populace to make their voice heard. So it's places of protest. What uh, the government is doing to control public order in those spaces. So, for example, surveillance and uh, various sort of physical means by which crowds are controlled in places like Grosvenor Square and Park Lane.
0: And how many people will be on each ride, or is there a maximum size of ride group?
2: Well, for some of them, there's a maximum because uh, we're actually going into places like Battersea Power Station, which is fantastic in somewhere that's been really veiled in secrecy for for so long. And uh, we've been allowed to go in and have a look around. So we're putting a, a limit of 30 on that one and one or two others.
0: But what's the connection between your firm and bicycling? Why is your firm so well known for its cycling?
2: Really, it's just an extension of what we do as a practice. I mean, we've always been heavily into sustainable architecture right before people... We're using the term sustainable architecture, and so for us, it's uh, it's a sensible approach to getting around and doing short journeys. And we really encourage people that work with us to use the bicycles that we have within the practice. We've got about 15 fold-up bikes, generally Bromptons, and actively encourage people to use those for getting around sites.
0: Do you think that architects have a particular affinity for the bicycle, and what explains that?
2: I think because it's just such a neat design. I mean, just the basic two wheels and a frame, handlebars and a saddle, it's just so beautifully neat and understated. And it's interesting because my husband has been trying to design a new bicycle, and you just... And a radically new sort of bicycle and you keep coming back to the same sort of limitations and uh, I think there's some really interesting designs out there now and, and anything that's beautiful design tends to attract you know, the approval of architects.
0: In practical terms, what do people need to do if they want to come along on one of these rides?
2: They have to log on to www.lfa2008.org uh, or go to our website which is www.fcb studios.com and there's information there as to how you can get the tickets but you'd need to get a move on because they're selling out very quickly.
0: That was Stephanie Laslett of Field and Clegg Bradley Studios and one ride that you won't be able to go on is the one that was led by Stephen Bailey and that's because it's already happened Um, but just before we set off um, I asked him why he'd decided to lead a ride as part of the London Festival of Architecture.
3: Well, I was asked to organise a bike ride for um, London Festival Architecture, and um, as I'm a passionate, if incompetent, you know, bicyclist, uh, um, yeah, I, um, how could I resist? I mean, first of all, you know, I love bikes as machines. If you're interested in design, as I am, I mean. I mean the bicycle is almost, you know, the perfect machine. As somebody once said, it's the only piece of technology with no downside. Um, apart from the fact they're difficult to store, but that, you know, we can get over that. So I, so I love bikes and I love cities and, I, and um, I love London. The opportunity to put the two together is uh, is really important. The, particularly the, um, I mean, the ride I'm doing, or attempting to do this afternoon, is around um, architects and artists' houses. The reason I'm doing that is um, I think overwhelmingly, sort of, context and location are important in in stimulating uh, architecture. And that's what I want to point out. I mean, you know, architects and artists are, by definition, people who are interested in their immediate environment and they influence it and form it, but also it helps um, form and influence them. And I think just on the sort of, you know, on the sort of, you know, mega. Um, scale. I have this conviction about the way we should use cities. I'm more for mixed use. I don't believe, certainly don't believe in banning cars or private you know, private motorised transport. I certainly don't believe that. But I do think we need a far more intelligent mix of um, of um, of uses. And I think there's a central truth about urbanism, which i also passionately believing, is that um, great cities make great cycling. But you can't just put people on bikes and turn the city into, you know, into a good place for, you know, for cycling. We have to have. I firmly believe in a serious change. I mean, first of all, I'd move all the buses out of the bus lanes and make the buses hack it with the, uh, the traffic. We'd soon find, you know, Darwinian forces slow down all the traffic, and all the buses and give the, bus, give the bus lanes over to cyclists. I mean, they're all, you know, of all the major cities in the world, London's got the least adequate provision for, um, for cyclists. And I think that's shaming. So your route
0: today... Ah,
3: my route. <laughs> my route. Well, here we're, we're, we're starting off here on, um, on a sort of rather you know, wet and blustery bankside just in front of Tate Modern. Where we're going to go to next is a house... To, well, first of all, I shall say a few facetious words about the Millennium Bridge because it always makes me laugh. Then we'll go just you know, literally 100 yards um, east of here to a house reputed to have been Christopher Wren's house, uh, the, the one he lived in when he uh, built St Paul's. It's probably not true. It's neither proven nor unproven, but it's it's a very, very, very agreeable myth, certainly from that house, as you'll see, you get the best ever view of, you know, uh, uh, um, southerly view of St Paul's. From there we get on our bikes, um, we go not far away, we go down to Lambeth, and we go and see, I'm very interested in buildings which no longer exist and buildings which never existed, we're going to go and see a building which no longer exists, um, Hercules buildings in Hercules Road in Lambeth. And that's where, from 1790 to 1800, William Blake, indisputably, in my view, London's greatest artist, um, lived for ten years of his life. And uh, the building was long since demolished, but it's... um... There's a, there's a there's a plaque on the site, and uh, we're going there just because it's interesting. I mean, anything, I mean, William Blake was more so than most artists was peculiarly inspired uh, by his by his locations, and you know by you know, by, by we're where we're he lived. By. Well by we can probably see it now if it were standing there. The
0: Albion Millworks. Well, I was
3: going to say I'll, Yeah, I mean, it's it's not terribly well known, but one of London's first factories was built in the early 1790s in what's now Blackfriars Road, John Rennie's Albion Albion Mills, and it was burnt down in the uh, first decade of the 19th century. That's what possibly you know, what inspired Blake's uh, line about satanic mills. Um, but also Blake was um, Blake was also inspired by the garden he had in in, in Hercules, what's now Hercules Road. And of course a huge amount of Blake's poetry is inspired by floral imagery. This was the first garden he had. So we'll see that then from Hercules Road we get on our bikes and go a bit south down to Stockwell where uh, we go and see a fabulously undistinguished but I think utterly fascinating building. And it's the house in which Vincent Van Gogh lived from 1873 to 1874 when he was an art dealer uh, for the Parisian print dealers Goupil um, and it's just a sort of it's a, frankly it's a slightly deary, dreary neighbourhood he lodged with a French lady called uh, Madame Loyer whose daughter he reputed to have you know fallen for but again I'm just interested in the environment he had to I don't think I don't think Vincent Van Gogh bicycled but he had to move himself from Stockwell to his company offices in Southampton Street every day you know what sort of influence can that have had he was reading Dickens and George Eliot at the time then we get back on our bikes and we go out towards Chelsea where we stop at Albert Bridge and we look at uh, the, all the artists' houses on Trainey. On Trainey, well, I say a few words about Albert Bridge, which had its own violent oscillations, rather like you know, rather like the millenn- Norman Foster's Millennium Bridge, but that was in the, 18, the 1870s because again, because of the unique and very daring construction. Um, so we look at the you know Dante Gabriel Rossetti's house, Whistler's house, Turner's house, and you know, for me, that bit of uh, townscape on Trainey Walk in Chelsea is, I think, you know, possibly. Britain's single greatest contribution to um, urban architecture. Utterly magnificent. I see it every day and I never fail to be moved by it. And then if there's time left we'll go right up to the north, up to Leighton House which is, you know, know, Victoriana never got more lush and more opulent than Frederick Lord Lord Leighton was the great celebrity, perhaps the first British celebrity architect an immensely wealthy person, a traveller he said he couldn't describe the Orient in words but he could describe it in tiles and in the Arab house, the Arab rooms in Leighton House are just an utterly wonderful way to, um, to end our bike ride through artists and architects houses in London. Do you see London with different eyes on a bicycle? Um, not really, because I, I I don't see London with a different eyes and on bikes. I'm actually so petrified of the buses and the public service vehicles, the taxis. I'm, I'm always looking at the ground, um, or looking. my watch, wondering when it's going to be over. But I know I, that, that's just facetious. Of course you do, but it, it's it's not just that. I mean, I love just I love I love walking as well. But I think it's it's just you know so important um, you know, to be in the air and uh, and to get exercise. And when you said that, I'm not absolutely not anti-car at all. I'm all for I mean, intelligent 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 mixed use. But you know. When you find out that the average the average journey of a Ford Fiesta is about one-third of a mile, it does make you feel, you know, you know, by all means used cars, but used cars for journeys, which, I you mean, know, it makes sense. So I just think you know, every possible encouragement should be made to get people on their bikes. And if, you know, understanding a bit more about townscape and about the architectural and artistic culture which made London the great world city helps, that's, you know, that's all to the good. And finally, looking at your bike here,
0: it's a Brompton. Surprise, yep. surprise for someone who's into design.
3: Uh, yes, uh, well, all um, anybody associated with uh, with, um, with 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 architecture loves, um, you know, love love Bromptons. What is it love...
0: you like about them?
3: Um, I think people have been trying to design a folding bike for a very, very, very long time, and it's quite difficult to get the geometry. When you, the two things it's very difficult to get, uh, you know, f- a functional package, something which folds well, and also something which is sufficiently sturdy to make it into a sensible bike. And I think while well, the Bromptons far from perfect, I wish it had f- far more light, light alloy, lightweight components, for instance. But while not perfect, it's pretty damn good. It's, it, you know, you can go quite quickly on it, and it, it handles very well. It's made by a fabulous eccentric who tinkered and tinkered and tinkered away in his um, office, studio, workshop, living room, overlooking Brompton Cemetery in Kensington. Hence the name, you know, Brompton. And now they're made in Chiswick in West London. You know, it's a, it, it's a, it's a fabulously idiosyncratic, you know, bit of, you know, bit of British design. Like the hovercraft, it's something which uh, you know shouldn't work, but it actually does.
0: Well, that was uh, Stephen Bailey. Design editor for The Observer, taking us up to the hour. Next on Resonance 104.4 FM is Slum Dunk. Thanks for listening. Get along to one of those uh, architectural bike rides. They're really fantastic. I enjoyed myself on Saturday. Next week, we will be touring the Lidos of London. Until then, chapeau.
4: Ain't got a, cat. I'm, all a on the field. I'm just a guy.